This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. You bet it is, baby. Two minutes past on this Monday, the 15th day of August. Think about where you are at this moment. You know, take a pause right now. Think about where you are. You are listening. You are taking in the first ever episode of the Dan Grosser Show officially right here on 98.7 ESPN in the greatest city in the world. What is going on, everybody? Dan Grosser with you. Pleased to be with you. Pumped to be with you at 800-919-3776. And yes, this is our new little home right here on 98.7 ESPN. Thrilled, beyond excited, overjoyed, but we know each other a little bit, right? You know, we've been down this road before. We've talked to each other. Certainly, I've done plenty of shows on this station for a good number of years. Been with the Jets for a handful of years, going into year number five. So if you listen to the Jet broadcast, you hear me each and every game day on the pregame, the postgame with Greg Buttle. Having a lot of fun doing that. You know, Knicks and Rangers broadcast when we have those. So we're no strangers to one another. I mean, once upon a time, I was doing shows on the network when Stephen A. was still doing radio, filling in for him. We know each other. A lot of you, I'm sure, have come over from Satellite. Over on Sirius XM, where you heard me for a good number of years, and still am on the MLB radio side, which I'm very, very excited to be as well. But this is going to be our little home. And as much as this is my show, it's our show. I want it to feel like our show. You are a part of it, right? What's good for you is good for me, and vice versa. So think of this spot, think of this show as our little hangout each and every night. Now look. It's going to be no different than when Chris did this show on a regular basis or when Alan did the show even before him. Once we get into October and we get into the basketball season and the hockey season, we're not going to be together night in and night out. But you know what? We can still always find ways to interact with each other. We can still find a ways to talk sports, talk life, talk whatever the hell we need to talk about because we're going to get it done. And one of those ways is you can find me on Twitter, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. No, I'm not Dan Graziano. People get the two of us confused all the time. G-R-A-C-A. But we're going to be here for you. And as I said, schedule gets a little funky sometimes once the NBA and the NHL starts. But you're going to know ahead of time, and we'll make you aware of such things. But you should know that every weeknight at 7 o'clock, and I know you're going to be listening to the Michael K. Show anyways, and once those guys are done and they're going to go off enjoying the rest of their night, you keep the radio tuned in because then we get to do our little thing. You could be friends with both. You can listen to both. You should be listening to both. But this is our time, and we're going to be here for each other, night in and night out, and I think we're going to have fun. We're going to have a lot of laughs. We'll talk our sports, but it's not just going to be sports. We're going to mix it a lot of other things. We're going to put some cool people on the show. They're going to give us some intel on things we need to know along the way. Like tonight, trivia question. You know, years from now, they're going to ask you, who was the first ever guest on the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN, you know what that trivia answer is going to be? It's going to be Anthony Becht. That's right. Former New York Jet, part of our Jet radio team here during the season. Does the Jet games on TV in the preseason. And, oh, by the way, we call him Coach Becht now because he's going to be head coach of the St. Louis team in the XFL once that gets underway next winter. So Anthony was nice enough and gracious enough to give us a couple of minutes a little bit later on in the program. Why? Well, because you know what? There's a lot to talk about on the football side of things, is there not? A lot of things. Let's talk about on the baseball side of things. Let's talk about even in the NBA, some news trickling out along the way. 
But just know, as we get started, and I'm excited, you can probably hear it in my voice, hope you're as excited as well. This is going to be our spot. This is going to be our little space each and every night for three hours, most nights three hours, 7 to 10. This is going to be the place to be. And if you can't be with us each and every night, you know what? I understand things happen, right? You got to take care of things. You got to wash. You got to scrub. You got to clean. And I get all that stuff. But you go back and you listen to the ESPN New York app. Listen to the podcast when they come out afterwards. You download it just so you know that you can always get the show. You can always be there for what we have to say. So I think you're going to have a good time, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And that's what we're here for, to have some fun. And always hear from you at 800-919-3776. That is going to be the telephone number. We'll start it off with the baseball tonight. Because Mets and Yankees are playing important series tonight. Both division matchups. You got the Mets taking on the Atlanta Braves coming up here in just a little while. First of four games, you know the Mets did a great job handling them at City Field just last week, taking four out of five, and almost, I say almost, not officially, really just putting them almost down for the count. Not yet. We still have about a month and a half to play, but I'll tell you, if they have a nice four days down in Atlanta, then we could really start to play taps for the Atlanta Braves when it comes to 2022 in the National League East. And we'll get to the Mets in just a little bit because I think the Yankees are a little bit more of a pressing concern right now. Not that we're hitting the panic button like it's total gloom and doom, right? Like nothing could go right at all for the Yankees. No, because if you take a step back, they're still in good shape, right? They got a 10-game lead in the division, and I think that it's ridiculous to sit here and say that the sky is falling for a team that's 10 games up in their respective division, and they're going to win their division. The only question is when it's going to become official. But that's not good enough for the Yankees, right? Any Yankee fan will tell you that. It's not good enough. Winning the division, being called American League East champs, that only gets you so far. The goal for the New York Yankees, year in and year out, is to not just make the playoffs. It's to go deep into October. It's to get to the World Series and to win it. Something this team has done only one time in the last, what, 20 years. And they're starving for another one. Their fans are starving for another one. And tonight, you got the first of three against the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that, you know, in years past, spelled trouble for the Yankees. Not so much in 2022. The Yanks have done a nice job against those pesky guys from Tampa. And all eyes tonight are on Garrett Cole. I thought last time out, Garrett Cole last week, despite the fact that they lost that game. Remember Garrett Cole pitched that Tuesday marathon? The 12-inning game, or 13-inning game that was nothing-nothing for 12 innings? I thought Garrett Cole that night was brilliant, brilliant. And he probably let you exhale a little bit if you're a Yankee fan because whatever concerns that might have cropped up about the way that he was pitching, you said to yourself at that point, well, you know what? This guy's still got the goods. This guy's still an ace. Well, he better be an ace because I know Aaron Judge right now is probably going to win an MVP even though he's in a little bit of a slump. Didn't swing the bats too well last night. But I can't think of one guy on the Yankees that's more critical to their chances of winning a World Series this year than Garrett Cole because they need that stopper. That's why they gave him a $324 million paycheck to take this team home, to win games when you absolutely have to win the game, when you need a dominant pitching performance. Maybe when other things break down a little bit, you need a guy who's going to be able to calm those concerns. That's what he was as advertised to do when you brought him over from the Houston Astros. But they're in a little bit of a funk right now. And you know what? What do, we, what do we define as a funk? You hear that term a lot, right? Well, they're in a little bit of a funk. They're slumping a little bit. But, but what does that mean? 
What does that mean? Like when I think about a funk, I think maybe like a week. It's been more than a week. It's been more than a week. Their last 45 games, they're 20 and 25. I mean, that's almost two months of baseball right there, and they have a losing record. So you go back to late June, this team has played losing baseball. And we know that they got out of the gates red hot. We know that they were absolutely running away with this thing. And people were talking about, you know, record number of wins and the historic pace. And, you know, they'd have this division clinched by Labor Day and all those things. But that's why you play 162 games. Things kind of even themselves out. That's why the trophy means something when it's all said and done. Because it measures, you know, which team had the goods for the marathon that is the baseball season. 8-15 and 15 since the All-Star break. And while Garrett Cole's really, really important, these bats got to get going, don't you think? I, I, I mean, that would be nice. They scored eight runs in the last five games. Where's the offense been? And what happened over the weekend, like you can sit there and say, ah, oh, well, you know what, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I, I mean, yeah, it's one series, right? But the Boston Red Sox aren't good. Like, they're really not. And I get that it's a rivalry with the Yankees. I, I, I get all those things. I respect the rivalry. I respect the history. But the Red Sox are not a good baseball team. That series against the Yankees, that was the first series that the Red Sox won against an American League East team all season long. Think about that. We're in August, boys and girls. And the Red Sox hadn't won a series against the division foe until the last three days. You don't want to be on the receiving end of that. You let Michael Waka come off the injured list last night. Michael Waka, who hadn't pitched in five weeks. Think about what you were doing five weeks ago. I don't even know how long five weeks ago was. What was that, around the 4th of July? So think about all the things that you have done since the 4th of July in your life, whether you went on a trip or two, got some time off, maybe you hung out with friends, reconnected with family, whatever the hell you did, enjoyed the summer. Michael Waka had not pitched in a major league game in the last five weeks, and he gets back out on the mound last night, and he two hits the Yankees. That's not supposed to happen. And this is more than just Giancarlo Stanton being out. And we'll hear from him in coming up in just a little bit. This team needs a little bit of a shakeup. But, like, if Aaron Judge is in a little bit of a funk like we've seen this the last couple of days, if Judge is in a funk, like, who else is going to be there to pick up the slack? And DJ LeMahieu's got a banged-up toe, so all of a sudden this team is supposed to crumble? What's the shakeup supposed to be? It's not going to be Harrison Bader, whenever the hell he gets the walking boot off and gets in this lineup in September or whatever the heck that is. Harrison Bader was acquired for his glove, not so much the bat. Something's got to give here. You know, we asked Aaron Boone about Peraza last week, Mike Tannenbaum and I, when we were filling in for the guys on the K-Show. You know, is he maybe someone that merits consideration to get the call up? Well, maybe, but I would say if you're going to do something like that, now might be a pretty good time. You can experiment with things a little bit. See what he's got. See if he's going to be overwhelmed by the big league atmosphere. And if he provides a spark to the club, hey, ride it out. Because even the best teams get a little stale, even when things are going good. But I think there's an even bigger problem with the Yankees right now. I brought up the offense, and that's been slumbering. The pitching, you name it. There's a bigger issue, I think, that's going to hurt this team as we move forward through the season and into the month of October. And I'll tell you what that is when we come back. And I want to hear from you at 800-919-3776. 
That is the telephone number. We'll also hear from Aaron Boone. We'll also hear from Giancarlo Stanton as well when we return. As I said, Anthony Becht is going to join us, talk a little Jets and Giants, little NFL, little XFL. Mr. Head Coach of the St. Louis team. He'll join us coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, a little bit later on in the show. Plenty of your calls. Dan Grasso with you, the maiden voyage of the Dan Grasso Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. We come back right after this. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's hear from the manager because Giancarlo Stanton, still out, getting closer, but I think by the way we've seen this offense perform over the last several days, games, you name it, uh, they can use the big bopper back in this lineup to a certain extent. Let's hear from the skipper, Aaron Boone, on when we could expect to see Stanton back in the mix. And on Frankie's bullpen, I think he's standing in on Herman's bullpen right now as well. And then he'll go through a full pregame routine as far as defensive work, kind of standing around in the outfield. That's part of it. And then he'll hit, you know, whether it's on the field, in the cage, not sure. But, you know, the biggest thing for him is standing in on some of those and just upping his volume. He's been bouncing back really well over the last week. But now it's like, let's get to a level of volume of work and see how he responds to that. And, and hopefully we're getting close to, to being in a good spot there. You know, whenever you're talking about an Achilles injury, you know, which is what he's on the shelf for, it's tricky because certainly for a guy like his, I mean, because he's a big dude. Whenever you're talking about a guy of his size, you wonder if that's going to be something that will hamper him, even if he's healthy, you know, or I should say healthy enough to be on the field, if that's something that he's going to be concerned with to the point where it's going to impact his play for the remainder of the season. You know what? Let's just go straight to the source and ask Giancarlo Stanton himself. Uh, the past few days have gone well, so uh, I need uh, another one or two to, to bounce back right. What are you, I'm sorry, one or two days to work out or do you have days? I need a few full days to work out and, and have, have a good bounce back from that. Are you feel anything at all still in the Achilles? I'm still getting, getting my feet under me, so that's why I need a few more days to make sure I'm good to go for, for the full, for full game. Definitely got to keep an eye on it. Don't want to don't want to rush it back and have to worry about it every night post game. But uh, definitely going to have to keep an eye on it. A lot of people like to give Stan a hard time, you know, because he's making a lot of money. But they need him. And when he's going good, it makes a difference to this lineup. It lengthens the lineup. You know, and I also think that it takes some of the pressure off a judge. Not to say that he needs that. I mean, because judge right now is the MVP of the league, which we all know. But. I think it would make his life easier, and who wouldn't want that? I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you are. You know, and the Yankees right now have exhibited once again, unfortunately, that come October, they could show a little bit of vulnerability in the sense that I still think they're too reliant on the home run ball. Not so much the Mets. You see the way the Mets go back and, and you know, attack opposing teams. Like yesterday, they scored all those runs in that one inning, all singles. All singles, death by a 1,000 paper cuts. There's nothing wrong with that. Whatever keeps the line moving. But the Yankees are still too kind of feast or famine for my liking when it comes to really relying on hitting it out of the ballpark. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Let's go to the phones. Let's say hi to Nick in Brooklyn. He is going to be first up here on 98.7. Nick, how we doing? Hey, Don. How's it going, man? What's up, Nick? How's things? Good, good. Congrats on the new show. Looking forward to hearing from you. And uh, just wanted to chime in on my concerns, a uh, longtime Yankee fan. And um, you nailed it right on the head. I Come playoff time when the pitching is elite, if the bats are slow now, I can only imagine what's going to happen. 
Um, I think ultimately it's got to be the rest roulette thing. You know, you're resting guys every other day, and you're not allowing them to get in the rhythm. Back in the day, you'd have the same lineup card almost every day. Guy knew when he was going to bat, who he was going to bat after. And uh, I just wish it was more of that consistency going in. I think they could get it back, Nick, and I thank you for the phone call. You know, oh, like if we take a macro look at the Yankees, and I know that some fans don't want to hear this, right? They're too obsessive. They're too, you know, living and dying with each and every pitch. And I get it in this city. That's <laughs> it comes with the territory, right? I get it. But big picture, I still think they're in a good place. Like the next time we should be sitting here pressing any panic buttons or sounding any alarms for the Yankees is I think when you get closer to the playoffs. And I think that's going to be heavily predicated on matchups come October. Because, you know, like you look at the American League right now as it stands. You know, I, I was talking about this this morning. I know that the AL East, the teams are dangerous, right? They all have winning records except the Red Sox. The Orioles, they're a great story, but the Orioles aren't a threat. Tampa Bay, as we said, they're a team that gives the Yankees fits in recent years. Not this year. Yankees have handled Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay still got so many guys on the injured list right now. Wanda Franco could be a couple of weeks away, which I think will help their offense because their offense is the pits. You know, Tyler Glass now might make an appearance later in the season. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery, but he's going to be on a, a very, very strict pitch count. They're not going to loosen the reins at all with him. And if you're Toronto, I mean, think about it. Toronto's already gotten their manager fired this year. They got talent, but they're so damn inconsistent. So as far as any teams in the division you got to worry about, dethroning the Yankees, even in the playoffs, I don't see any. The Central, I mean, the Cleveland Guardians are in first place. Cleveland's like the youngest team in baseball. They didn't do anything at the trade deadline. They're almost just riding this thing out like, how the hell are we in first place? They're almost amazed by it. Now, they got Shane Bieber, who's dangerous anytime. You got to go up against him in a short series if he gets three starts. But let's get to that point first. And then out west, you got Houston. Houston is the team that the Yankees should fear the most because that's the worst matchup. And I said it last week when we were doing the Michael K show. I think Seattle is a bad matchup for the Yankees to a certain extent. You know, Luis Castillo three times in a seven-game series, not what you want to see. He's got the Yankees number this year. That offense will perk up a little bit now that Julio Rodriguez is back in the fold in that lineup. But the biggest concern I have for the Yankees, you want me to be honest with you? Might as well, right? We're here. The thing that concerns me the most about the Yankees at this point in time is the bullpen. And specifically the back end. As in, who do you trust? Who do you have faith in? Like if you had to, right now, you're a Yankee fan. And you needed the final three outs of the game for your life, for your life, on this roster right now, who are you giving the ball to? I'll tell you something. I got a feeling because, you know, October things get a little wonky anyways. The way that managers go about deploying their bullpens and deploying their pitchers in the playoffs, it's not like the regular season. Starters become relievers come October. If this inconsistency continues with the Yankees at the back end of that bullpen, would it shock anybody if Aaron Boone uses a starter or two to finish games and get the final three outs or get the final six outs? Because can you rely on any of these guys? I got news for you. After watching the Yankees all season, and specifically of late, like the last month and a half, Clay Holmes ain't it. Whatever the answer to the trivia question was, you know, who's the closer for the Yankees? Who do you trust the most? Clay Holmes ain't the guy. He ain't. Midnight has struck. 
for Cinderella, a.k.a. Clay Holmes. Next time he comes out of that bullpen, you're going to see a pumpkin. He ain't the guy anymore. He looking more like the guy who was a Pittsburgh Pirate, and basically nobody knew who he was for four or five years before the Yankees took a flyer on him last year and brought him over. You know, it's like the, 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 the car has reached its expiration. The milk has gone spoiled. It's gone sour to the point where you can't trust him anymore. All right, and now you go down the list. What about Aroldis Chapman? Aroldis Chapman, he was permanently out of the circle of trust not too long ago. Permanently. And then he went on the shelf. And since he's come back, little by little, more by more, he's getting into these higher leverage situations that Aaron Boone has thrown him in. But it's Aroldis Chapman, right? It's still him. And you know that he's just waiting to break your heart at the most inopportune time. Scott Efros closed that game on Saturday night up in Boston. Scott Efros, a good guy. Talked to him last week, interviewed him last week on the baseball show. Real good guy. Seinfeld fanatic. So he's got that going for him at least. But he wasn't brought over here to be a closer. You know, this guy's pitched for like crummy Cubs teams for the last couple of years. He never been in a playoff. He never been in the postseason. And now you're going to trust these games for the New York Yankees to close games? That's not what he was brought here for. But that's what we've gotten ourselves to if you're the Yankees. Albert Abreu shouldn't be here. Nothing against Albert Abreu, but he shouldn't be here. It's supposed to be a meritocracy. Best guy should be on the team. Best guy should play slash pitch. He ain't one of them. But he don't have any more options. How many more times is he going to have to get released? You got Ron Marinaccio down there in the minors. That's an answer. That's a pitcher who should be up here. But because he has options, he's down in the minor leagues. He'll be up here at some point. But why not now? This is an interesting stretch for the Yankees. With these three with Tampa, then four with Toronto, and then two with the Mets. That's nine tough ones. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, they need to win X amount of the nine games, but you want to put forward a good showing. And that's the type of stretch when you lay out those opponents that if you do play well, I think it gives you a little bit of a jolt. Could kickstart you a little bit, hopefully to a strong finish, and then get that confidence going heading into October and the all-important games in the postseason. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Go back to the phones. Let's say hi to Robbie in Massachusetts. He's up next here on the Dan Grosser Show, 9870 ESPN. Rob, how you doing, my friend? Dan, how are you? Congratulations on the show. Fantastic. I'm happy to Thank for you. you, Robert. Appreciate it. What's up, bud? Absolutely. Well, you know what? I, I just slipped on the Yankee game. Obviously, Cole's pitching and so forth tonight. And, uh, you know, here's my thing that, I, that bothers me so much about, about the Yankees. Specifically, I mean, not, look, I'm not a big Aaron Boone guy. I never have been. But my, my biggest problem is with Brian Cashman, and this is what the problem is to me. You know, this is one of the only organizations that doesn't seem to develop young players at the minor league level, and they don't bring them up. I mean, do I have to see Aaron Hicks and Tim Castro for the rest of the year? Honestly, I can't stand watching Hicks. This is so this is so comical. Here's a slap in the face and an insult to guys like Mickey Mantle, Eddie Murray. I'm thinking of Chipper Jones, Bernie Williams, guys that are switch hitters. This is a guy that sucks from both sides. I mean, I've been playing guitar for 46 years. I mean, I can't imagine playing lefty and righty and sticking from both sides. You know what I'm saying? The guy is – it's just miserable. Five for his last 50. I mean – 
I mean, can Brian Cashman actually recognize the fact that he gets too many guys that are poor right-handed hitters that strike out too much? His idea of improving the team this year was to bring in Josh Donaldson so he can strike out 200 times. I mean, I just don't get it. Doesn't he remember the type of players that they had back in the 90s? Line drive, contact guys, doubles and singles guys. I mean, I remember in the 1999 World Series, 11 singles off the Braves to win game one against Greg Maddox. Why yep. does why does he feel consumed with home runs, this guy? I'm so sick of watching these guys. They don't grind out in their bat, Dan. I mean, last night's game, I was, was sickening to watch. I mean, he had three swings, and Glaber Torres is just like a disaster again. I mean, I just – they have too many of the same style players, and year after year after year, and people say, well, you know, they haven't had a losing season in 25 years, but isn't they aren't the Yankees out there to try to win championships? I mean, is this acceptable to ownership? I mean, it seems like – you know, they spend a lot of money, but they don't spend money the right way. Why can't they bring up a Peraza? Why can't they bring up a Florio? I'm sick of seeing these guys. I, I just well, I Robbie, you know the it. Robbie, you know yeah, the answer ahead. to yeah. that question. You know, you, you know the yeah. answer to it, and I thank you for the phone yeah. call. It's because, you know, they want to start the clock. Or, I mean, they don't want to get the clock started on their service time. It's as simple as that. But as I just got done saying a little while ago, you know, why not? Why not? Well, you know what, Jacob, let me know, or, and uh, Tom, if you have that cut from Aaron Boone from last week when he was on the K show with myself and Mike Tannenbaum, and we asked him about Peraza and whether or not he's going to get a call up, when he would be in line to maybe get the call up, I want to play his answer for you. Let me know when you guys have that handy, and we'll circle back to it here. But the Aaron, like, you know, Aaron Hicks, I, 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 don't, I don't get Aaron Hicks in, in 10 lifetimes. I never did when the move was made. That was a Cashman move infatuated with Aaron Hicks from his time in Minnesota, infatuated with him, checked all the boxes, analytics darling for what the Yankees were looking for, and that has bombed miserably. It's bombed miserably, and they've kept him around and gave him a new contract. And here, if you want to feel good about whatever you had for dinner, if you want that dinner to go down nice if you're a Yankee fan, Aaron Hicks is still under contract for three more seasons after this. At 10.7, 9.7, and 9.7. And then in 2026, there is a $12.5 million team option, which you know the Yanks won't pick up, and a $1 million buyout. So it's still, you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of $31 million over the next three years for Aaron Hicks. Good luck with that. You know, you're going to keep throwing something up against the wall and seeing if it finally sticks? Are you finally going to admit to something that was a complete and utter failure and just cut your losses? They'd love to get rid of him, I'm sure, but who wants him? Who wants him? Here's that Aaron Boone. This was last week on the Michael K. Show, Mike Tannenbaum and myself, asking, Para- uh, asking Boone about Peraza and maybe whether or not we can see him this year. No, not really right now. You know, I mean, he's he certainly uh, continued to build off. You know, I think he had a really, really great season a year ago in Double A, where he really established himself as one of the front line prospects. Uh, has gone to Triple A this year. Get got off to a tough start, but's been playing really well the last couple of months. So there's no plans right now, but he is. You know, he's very much next in line, and and with him already being on the 40 man roster, you could see a scenario where where he did come up and and help us, but nothing nothing imminent is as far as that concerned. If this team's going to keep scuffling to the extent that it's scuffling now, why not? Right? Why not? I give you something. Something. Now, get back to the calls in just a second here. As far as the Mets are concerned, look, life is good if you're a Met fan. I was saying this last week, and really nothing has happened over the last few days to change that. Enjoy this. Enjoy this. You know, you're in a position right now, if you're the Mets, to where you're playing these four games in Atlanta, they need the series more than you do, right? 
They need it more than you. Settle for a four-game split. That's not what you strive for, but if you split four with them, you feel good about it. Right? You hold serve. They are the ones that need to make up ground, not the other way around. And you got Scherzer and DeGrom going on Wednesday and Thursday in games three and four of the series. You got to feel good about that. This is a team that only allowed two runs against the Phillies over the weekend. Phillies came in swinging the bats well. You know, it's a dangerous lineup, even though Schwarber wasn't in there, but he pinch hit, but he didn't start any of the games. But holding them to two runs for the entire weekend, back-to-back shutouts? I mean, who wants to go up against this pitching staff come October, really? And I'm talking about more than just DeGrom and Scherzer. But think about in a series, DeGrom-Scherzer, that's four of the seven games right there. And Chris Bassett, if Chris Bassett has gone 24 consecutive innings without allowing an earned run. His team has won 17 of the last 20 games they've played. They're 35 games over 500 for the first time since 2006. They're 39 and 15 against the division. I, I can't remember a time, 2006. That's got to be the last time where you actually felt this good about the Mets and you looked at this Mets team and probably were as confident. See, the thing about that Mets team in 06, even though they cruised to a division, that team had question marks because the starting rotation was a little bit, how can I say, ancient, right? Pedro was iffy when it came to staying healthy. Tom Glavin was, you know, fairly durable, but he wasn't a spring chicken. You know, El Duque ends up getting hurt right before the playoffs start. Same with Pedro. You know, you're relying on guys like John Main, Oliver Perez, Steve Traxel, guys like that. And it was the offense which carried that team in 2006. This, you got frontline lockdown starting pitching, which is the strength of the team. You got a dominant closer in Edwin Diaz who, let's just get this out of the way now. All right, we're going to be together a while, you and I. So I'll, I'll just say this now. And you can attack me weeks and months down the line if it comes true. And I don't want it to come true. But as good as things are going right now, you know, I know, everybody knows. And I know you're not supposed to think like this. Athletes don't think like this, but I'm not an athlete. Diaz is going to blow one. He's not going to have his best stuff. He walked a tightrope on Saturday night against Philadelphia. He's not going to be able to convert a save, and it's probably going to be at the most inopportune time for the Mets. You just pray to God it's not in October. You know, because once upon a time, go back to 2000, Armando Benitez had a brilliant year closing games. Maybe not as great as Diaz this year, but he was great that year. He was an all-star that year. And he was great until October rolled around and game one of the World Series, Paul O'Neill, you know, 20 pitch at bat. And that was the turning point of that World Series. 2015, Jaris Familia was an all-star, even though I couldn't stand him. Game one of the World Series, three outs for a game one victory. Game-tying home run, Alex Gordon. That was the turning point of the World Series. You just hope it doesn't happen again with Diaz, but he's not perfect. Mariano blew games in the playoffs, right? He wasn't even 100% locked down. But as far as this series is concerned with the Braves, split, hold serve. Bad news for the Mets, though, as far as Luis Guillorme is concerned. You know how invaluable he's been to this team. Could do a variety of things. Tremendous glove. Gives you a good at bat. Buck Showalter loves him. That was one of the guys that Buck took to, like, very early on in spring training. He identified that guy as, that's the type of guy we want on this team. Strained his groin coming around the bases yesterday. 
four to six weeks. Not ideal, not what you want, but they've got enough pieces to overcome that. Here was the manager before today's game talking about Guillaume and his absence. Phillies just play without Schwarber. The Yankees play without Stanton. Um, these guys have played without people. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, he's valuable. So it was. Uh, so is Jake Degrom. So is, uh, you know, Nemo's been down. Neil's been down. I mean, it is what it is. Nobody's. Uh, but uh, you know, he's done a lot of things for us, and we'll try to uh, hold the fort down. I mean, think about what you. You know, did you think you'd be saying this in August? And, uh, you know, about Guillermo, he's a valuable guy. But so are some of the people that we've gotten back. Trevor May's back and Jake's back. We'll see. It's, it's part of baseball. It's what it is. I think they'll be fine. I think they can overcome it. Eduardo Escobar is going to have to start hitting the ball. I know he can only hit from one side of the plate because he's still not 100%. He's got a little bit of side, oblique, whatever you want to call it. But they'll be fine. As long as these guys pitch the way they've been pitching, the way they're capable of pitching, I don't think the Mets should have that big of a drop-off. But you hope Guillaume's back sooner rather than later. And the Mets have their own hotshot prospect in the infield, namely Matt Beatty, that you'd like to see caught up. Mets put the kibosh on that pretty quick today and said, we're not calling them up. Or Mark Vientos, for example, those two guys. Now is not the time. They're going to ride it out with the guys they have. And you know what? I kind of agree with that decision, believe it or not. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We'll get your calls when we come back. And also, if you didn't see it, I'm sure a lot of you did, but if you didn't see it, and even if you did, boy, do we have to get back to that A-Rod Jeter reunion last night on Sunday Night Baseball, which was, how can I put this, awkward? This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Stream live sports and original content with ESPN Plus today. And if you do that, you get access to the award-winning 30 for 30 library, unrivaled UFC access, including exclusive pay-per-views, live coverage of 35 PGA Tour events each and every year. So get the ESPN Plus and Disney Plus bundle today and watch the Captain, seven-part series on the life and career of Derek Jeter, or other originals like Eli's Places, stream at any time, anywhere. Go to ESPNNewYorkBundle.com to learn more. And if you're a nerd like me, you know, you get the Disney Plus. I mean, you get all the Star Wars programming that your little heart could desire. Even though, like, I'm so behind on all that stuff, I have not watched. Like, I haven't watched the Obi-Wan series yet. I'm, I'm very, very I'm a busy guy. Trying my best. Um, but one of these days, I hope I could get all that stuff out. And look, I mean, that's the beauty of the stream. You stream at your own leisure. That's the wonderful part about it here. We'll get into the football to start hour number two. See, this thing is moving quick, isn't it? Right? I mean, we get we're knocked out an hour pretty much. So we'll do some football to begin hour number two. And all of a sudden, some quarterbacking concerns for the green and white with Zach Wilson taking a spill on Friday. Um, I watched the K-Rod cast last night, start to finish exclusively. And the best part about it was it was two hours and 15 minutes, the game, because, you know, Baseball should be played a lot quicker than it is right now. And you knew that Derek Jeter was going to be there. They were gonna, he was going to be on set. It wasn't going to be one of those, like, Zooms with the awful delays and the awkwardness of people talking over each other or anything like that. He was going to be there, and Alex Rodriguez was going to be there. And, you know, A-Rod, look, we know what he is by this point. You know, I, you give him credit for, you know, being, I guess, as transparent as he is regarding all the missteps that he's had in his career and – 
by now we kind of know him like we're reading the book. I mean, because we've heard the same stories over and over and over again. And, you know, the apologies and I wish I didn't do this. I wish I didn't do that. You know, it was interesting to hear him talk about Tatis the other night as well after Tatis, you know, got slapped with the 80 games. And, you know, believe me, we'll get into that story a little bit later on. What a bunch of garbage that is. But you were always waiting to see now how the interaction was going to be between Derek and Alex, given the fact we just watched the captain, and neither one of those guys really held back in the documentary, which I give him credit for. You know, Jeter said everything he had to say about A-Rod. A-Rod said everything he had to say about Jeter and their relationship from his perspective. And you know that it has been strained over the years. You know, it wasn't as chummy as it once was all those years ago, and that was obvious when they were teammates with the Yankees. Like, we knew the history before then so you wonder what that was going to be like and Jeter's talking you know Jeter's doing most of the talking because he's the guest and you know Michael and Alex are interviewing him and you know then there's like a little bit of a lay uh, a let up and then all of a sudden it's Alex's time to talk and you know Alex wants to interject and it's like I I used the word awkward before because I it's just like he starts telling this story Kind of like, you know, remember, give me like the Chris Farley vibes. Like, remember when, like, it really was like a nothing story. And Jeter is looking at him as he's telling this story. Like, really, man? <laughs> like, like, you're, like, this is the best you can do? And A-Rod, I think, is at the point where he's trying to, he like tries too hard to be liked and to be well-received. Like, and, and, and this story to me was indicative of that. If you didn't see it, it's you know, gotten a lot of publicity over the last 24 hours. Here's A-Rod about all the time that he and Derek Jeter spent together, played together during their careers. This is what stands out to A-Rod. Take a listen. Mr. T said we have no batting practice. We report at 12. Lou Pinella had, I think he was mad at us, right. and he said, report at 10 a.m. He said, don't you dare wake me up. I'm waking up at 10, 30, 11, then I'm going to go to the ballpark. Make yourself at home and take your butt to the ballpark on your own. At that time, it was taxi, not, not Uber. Right. So I'm hungry. I'm starving in the morning. So I open the fridge. There's nothing there. He does have some cereal. So now I'm eating Lucky Charms, no milk. I get a little orange juice, throw it in the Lucky Charm, and that was my breakfast of champions. And, of course, he kicked our butt. That's, that's the reason why. <laughs> So A-Rod's in town with the Mariners, staying at Jeter's crib. A-Rod wakes up. He's got to get to the ballpark before Derek does because, as he said, Torrey told the Yankees no batting practice. It was a day game, so Jeter slept in. A-Rod's got to go a little bit earlier. And A-Rod's hungry, so he raids Derek's cabinet. He gets the Lucky Charms cereal, and Derek doesn't have milk, so he puts orange juice in the cereal. And Jeter, again, he has this look on him of almost like disappointment. Like, it's almost like Jeter's, like, thinking to himself, it's like, man, I've tried so hard. I've tried so hard to paint you in a positive light, to, to, to extend the olive branch, to help you, to seem as if, like, we're both on the same side a little bit. You know, I've said favorable things. I've showed up to the seaport. I'm here. I'm sitting next to you. I don't know why everybody was wearing white pants, though. I know that it's before Labor Day. That was kind of awkward, seeing them, even Michael. All of them up there wearing the white pants. It reminded me of the, the Jimmy Fallon skit with the white pants on, like the tight pants. But Jeter's looking at him like, really? Like, that, that's the best you could do? A serial story? It's, it was, you know what it reeked of? It reeked like a bad TGIF sitcom from the 80s. Right? It was like a Full House episode. That, that's the story that A-Rod was telling. It, it made you cringe. But anyway, what about Derek's side of things as far as the relationship with Alex? You know, ha has that been healed? 
Has, is, are they in a better spot? Well, here was Derek. My regret is I wish we were as close as we were when we were teenagers in Seattle when we played. And I guess 2009 will still be the highlight. But that's one of my regrets for sure. Well, I think, look, we, we talked about it. Um, you know, when, you're, when we're coming up at 20 years old, 21 years old, I think we're all professional athletes, Major League Baseball players. You're, you're trying to find your place, right? You're, you're getting a feel for the league. You're getting a feel for being a public persona for the first time. There's a lot of things that you have to deal with. And, and uh, we had to deal with a lot growing up at a very, very young age. So, yeah, we've, we've talked about it before. This isn't the first time I've seen them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we got together, what, it was about a month, month and a half mm -hmm. ago, and had some conversations. And, 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 look, you move on. You learn. Things happen in life. You know, I've gone through personal things and, you know, lost one of my best friends in Gerald Williams. And you realize life's short and you don't hold the grudges anymore and you move on. I admire him for that, right? I mean, how can you move on? It's a good lesson for everybody, not just because it's from Derek Jeter. I, you know, like, move on. Life's short. It's true. You know, don't let things linger. Now, some people deserve it, but, you know, others, you can take a step back and say, ah, maybe it's not all that important, really and truly.